So, um, let's just go back to the start of our Christian journey. So, when you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus, what happened? Well, your sin was forgiven. You were made right with God. Okay? So, because your sin was forgiven, you became perfect in the sight of God. What a miracle. Because there's no way that we could do that with our own works, is there? And in Ephesians 2, very clear, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your works. Right? So, we've been made right with God because of the forgiveness of sin and spiritually alive to God, which is the greatest miracle of all that, that you, the person that I'm looking at today, not your physical body, but you, the spirit, um, you, the, the spirit person was made alive to God. Once you were dead to God, you were dead in sin, but now you are alive to God. You've been made alive to God and, and when God looks at you, he sees a new creation. He sees someone who is brand new. He doesn't see the sin. He doesn't see the old life. He doesn't see the old nature. He just sees a new person, which is absolutely awesome. And not only that, not only have we been born again, born of God's Spirit, not only have we been forgiven of our sin, but we have a home in heaven that, that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. Isn't that an awesome truth to know? That, that when this life physically ends, we step into our eternal heavenly home. Praise God. So just want to just read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become? Okay. Does everyone believe that today? Everything has become new. The body that you're in is still the same body. But spiritually speaking, you are alive to God. You are new. You are able to have a relationship with God, fellowship with God. And that's an amazing thing. Every day, every day, what an amazing transformation that has taken place. Um, but God doesn't just want us to know that we're a new creation. He wants us to walk in the power of of that transformation every day of our lives. He wants us to be empowered to live differently to this world because who knows that God has called us to live differently. He has, hasn't he? We're part of a new kingdom now. We're part of a new culture. We're part of a culture that glorifies and emulates who God is. We are part of a culture that does things that is very different to the way that the world does things. And and that's really tough sometimes, living in this world but not being of this world. It's really tough to say, I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to seek first God's kingdom. I'm going to choose to do things how God wants me to do things when we live in a world that is, in, in many ways, um, lost, in many ways messed up. Um, there's many good things about this world as well, many good things about the people in this world. But at the end of the day, until you find Jesus, you're lost. Um, so God wants us to be empowered to live differently, to stand out as his people, to be people who walk as Jesus did. I always find it interesting. Um, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Christ is God's anointing, the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the power, God himself anoints us, right, to be set apart and live in his power, right? Now, Jesus was the body of Christ when he walked on this earth. Because there was one man that was the Christ, Jesus. And he moved and walked in the power of God. Well, God's called us, the church, to live in that same power. To live in that same anointing. And Jesus lived with love, joy, peace. 
patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anyone know what I just listed there? The fruit of the Spirit, right? So, and the fruit of the Spirit essentially is um, a description of the character of Jesus, the character of Christ. And that's how God wants us to live. He wants, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He wants us to live in that same character. So that is a very different way, often, to the way of the world. God wants us to live in this transformation that flows in and through our lives. He wants it to affect the way that we do family and friendships. Amen? He wants, us, he wants this transformation that has taken place in our lives to affect the way that we do education, the way that we do work, the way that we interact with society. And God wants to use us to bring the good news of his kingdom, the good news of Jesus to the world around us, doesn't he? The good news that saves people from an eternity separated from God, that brings people into a relationship with God, where they themselves, as we are now, begin to experience the freedom and the healing and the wholeness that God wants for them in this life and not just in the life to come. You know, heaven is a perfect place. We step into the the perfect picture of wholeness when we step into heaven. But God wants us to start to experience that now in this life. If there's things that you feel just you're, you're captive by, if there are addictions in your life, if there are things that are constantly pulling you down, God wants you to live free of those things in this life now. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that the only way that we can do that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is to to experience not just the transformation of new birth when we're born again, but on a daily basis to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As the disciples um, first did in Acts chapter 2. Remember what happened in Acts 2? The day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, God himself, flooded their lives with fire. They were transformed. They were changed. They would never live the same again. They went into that upper room shy and and lacking confidence and insecure, and they came out full of confidence and full of security and full of boldness, didn't they? And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And God wants to fill your life with his Spirit. He is willing. He desires to do that. All we have to do is ask him. Amen? All we have to do is ask. God wants us to know his presence in our lives every day. And God promises that he will never leave or forsake us. Now, this is the promise that God made to Joshua. Um, When Joshua became leader of the children of Israel... This is what Moses said to Joshua. He was kind of repeating God's words in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. He said, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Did you catch that? He will not leave you nor forsake you. He goes with you wherever you go. God wants to go with you. But... You have to invite him. If you want to know his presence in your life every day, you have to invite him to be part of your life every day. Amen? God said the same thing to Joshua himself. Joshua 1 verse 5. And I think this verse maybe has come up from what Sandy was telling me the other day a few times over the last few weeks. Joshua 1 verse 5. 
Uh, I think even when Nacho was speaking last week, he covered uh, the same passage of Scripture. Um, and it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So the first time, Joshua heard it through Moses. This is what God says to you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. But then Joshua heard it for himself. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And, and I just want to encourage you today. You know, you can hear my words. And I'm telling you today that God will not leave you and he will not forsake you. But I want you to hear that for yourself. I want you to hear that from God himself for you, that he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. And we're going to dig into what that looks like in our lives today. That's our promise too. It was repeated in Hebrews 13 verse 5. It's not on the screen. Um, but that's our promise too. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He wants to dwell with you and empower you to be all that he's called you to be. Amen. So there's four occasions that I want to talk about this morning when we need to remember that God is with us. Four occasions. We're going to look at temptation, tension, triumph, and tragedy. Four T's, just to help you remember them. So let's start with temptation. Well, let's not start with temptation, but, you know, let's look at temptation. Right. So four occasions where we need to know that God is with us. Number one, temptation. So God is very clear about what is right and wrong for us. Okay? We have the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God in written form. Okay? It's God himself revealed through this medium of paper, God speaks to us through his word. And it's God's desire that this doesn't just stay words on paper, but it becomes alive and living in our hearts. Amen? Okay. So God is very clear about what's right and wrong for us. The Bible provides us with very clear instructions about how to live as God's people. If you need to know, go to the book. Um, God's given us these instructions regarding how we live as his people to keep us from evil and to keep us from harm, to keep us on a good and a safe path for our lives. Didn't Jesus say, the thief doesn't come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and may have it in abundance. Jesus talked about taking the narrow path that leads to life and not the wide road that leads to destruction. So there is clearly a path that God has given for us, and the reason he's given us this path, it's, it's about safety, it's about well-being, it's about um, walking in God's best for our lives. That's why he gives us clear instructions about how we should live. If, this, if God's instructions are only ever on paper or on tablets of stone, all they are is laws. And guess what? We can't live according to the law. But when God's instructions become written in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, when, when our hearts change and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to do things your way. I'm passionate about your kingdom. Let me live your way. That's when we can live in the way of God, by the power of his Spirit at work in our lives. Amen? It's not by might, not by power, but by his Spirit. Okay? So, the world has very different values to us as Christians. And we have to negotiate our way through this world somehow, um, endeavoring to stay on God's path. And I just want to say that God hasn't called us to judge the world. I'm not saying any of this from a place of judgment, but God has called us to live differently to the world. 
that's just the way it is. So, when we face temptation, the key to taking God's path, the key to doing things God's way, is to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Because God is with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. So ask the Holy Spirit in those moments to come and fill you. In those moments of temptation, say, God, fill me with your Spirit. At the start of every day, before you even face temptation, say, God, fill me with your Spirit. And He will fill you with His strength to overcome temptation. You'll be led away from temptation and delivered from the evil one. As Jesus taught His disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, the temptations in your life, you're on it. Well done. Are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. Isn't that good to know that everyone else experiences similar things to what we do? He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show a way out so that you can endure. This is the truth today. There is always a way out. You don't have to sin. You don't have to do things the way of the world. You can choose God's way, but you will probably not be able to do that unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, unless you know the presence of God active and at work in your life. Amen? And when people see you take God's path in the midst of temptation, their heads will turn and say, wow, this is something else. I've not seen someone make that kind of choice before. And that is a great witness in itself. Second thing is this. So we're talking about four occasions when you need to know that God's with you. First of all, temptation. Secondly, intention. Tension. Anyone have experienced tension or stress in life? Well, we all have, haven't we? Because we live in a world that is literally full of stress and striving, right? Literally. Um, everywhere you look, there is stress and striving. Now, stress comes at us from, in different ways. Uh, for example, people go through stress due to, uh, to problems or trials that people close to them are going through. Um, you know, when you see a loved one hurting, when you see someone that you care for going through some really difficult things, that can really affect you, can't it? That can cause stress in your own life. Maybe people that, that are, fr- are close friends to you. Um, stress can come through conflict with other people. You know, I'm a peacemaker, I think, naturally in life, and I, and I hate conflict. I, I, I don't like going through times of conflict. One thing I've learned is that you can't avoid conflict. Uh, One thing I've learned is is that there will always be times of conflict in your life, and it's how you deal with it that's important. Um, You know, it's how you um, respond to those things that are really challenging in your life. Uh, And I've learned response is always better than reaction. (laughs) Take time. Think about how you're going to respond rather than just respond. Um, Well, I I say I've learned. I'm learning. (laughs) I've got two teenage boys. (laughs) Stress due to busyness or workload. Has anyone ever experienced that kind of stress where just there's so much going on in life and it's so hard, it's so difficult? Stress due to lack. Um, you know, we live in a world that's full of lack and um, so, so often, you know, people go through times where they just don't have what they need. They don't know how they're going to pay the next bill. Um, they don't know how they're going to feed their family. That is just just so, so tough. It can be overwhelming, um, the stress of that. And, and also stress due to ill health, um, 
when you're unwell, that can be a very stressful thing. But the, the crazy thing is that um, when you experience stress, that in itself can lead to ill health as well. You know, stress can affect you physically. It can affect you emotionally and mentally as well. Uh, and it's good to recognize that. And, and, and I think um, in this world, um, it is recognized that stress can be a very damaging thing. So if you've been through stress, if you're facing facing stress or tension in your life, it's good to have people in your life that you can talk to. It's good to have people in your life that can come alongside you and to help carry the burden, maybe come and pray for you. Even if you don't have those people, what you do have, you have God. You have God. And God understands. I mean, Jesus fully understands the weight of stress because look at what Jesus went through. Look at how in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweated drops of blood because of the stress of the moment that he was in. It was horrendous. It was stress. So he understands our temptation. He understands our stress as well, our tension. And there is one that we can go to, Jesus, who not only brings comfort and security to us in the middle of tension, but he also can calm the storm. He can actually get to the root of that stress and get to the root of that tension and work in a way that that we could never work things out. That's why we pray. That's why we we commit these things to God because only God, sometimes in, in certain circumstances, only God can sort this out. Amen? I want to say it's not a lack of faith or a failure to go through times of tension and stress. It's not a lack of faith to go through a storm. You know, we see the disciples were on the boat in the storm. Jesus was in the storm with them. So it wasn't a lack of faith to go through the storm. But the key to delivering it, as the disciples realized in that storm, is to draw close to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus in the midst of the storm. Because he is the one who never leaves you and never forsakes you. He is that one. So ask the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus by his Spirit to come and fill you, to fill you with peace that washes away that stress and striving and releases you from tension and toil. Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7 says, don't worry about, instead pray about, Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. You know, he is the peace giver. He's the only one who can give this true peace. And the sign of having true peace is when the storm is still raging, you're asleep in the bottom of the boat. That's true peace. You're able to have peace in the midst of the storm. And as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we'll walk in this peace that just doesn't make sense to the world around us. And that will turn people's heads. They'll be like, how can that person have this peace in their situation? Jeremiah 1 verse 19 says this. It says, they will fight you, but they will fail. It says, they will fight you, But they will fail. For I am with you. I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Praise God. 
So that's the second time in our lives when we need to know that God will never leave us nor forsake you. First of all, in temptation. Secondly, in tension. Third one is this, in triumph. In triumph. We've all gone through times of triumph in our lives, times of success, times of rejoicing and celebrating. Those are the best times, aren't they? Those are the best times. No one really wants storms. No one really wants the challenges. Yes, they grow us and they build us. Thank you, challenges, for doing that. But actually, it's the times of celebration that we all love. Um, but sometimes we only get those times of celebration by you know, climbing the mountain. A mountaineer doesn't get to where he wants to get to by staying at the bottom and thinking his way up the mountain. You have to do something to get there, right? Um, <clears throat> So when we have times of triumph, when we experience victory and success in life, remember that every triumph, every victory, every success you have comes from God. Remember to give credit to God. It's him that gives you the ability to do these things that bring victory and bring success in your life. People in this world are quick to take the credit. You know, it was my hard work. Thank you very much. It was my wise investment. That's how I'm a millionaire now. Uh, it was my ability to move in the right circles. It was my great intelligence. Thank you very much. But that's the world. Listen to what God says to his people, the Israelites. And I'm not denying that being wise with investments and being intelligent, they're really, really good things and God wants to use them and God gave them to you in the first place. Um, but... It ultimately, this is what God said to his people. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In another version it says, The power to gain wealth. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So it was in God's interest for his people to be blessed and to do well. Guess what? Still today, it's in God's interest for his people to do well and be blessed. If you're part of God's kingdom, he wants you to have a, a, a gloriously um, wonderful life. That, that's what God wants for you. Um, and that's in his interest. He wants your life to be blessed. He wants you to make great choices. He wants you to be successful. I, I really believe um, that we should be encouraging people in the church to be successful um, in business, in life, in family, in education, in marriage, and so on. Um, so this is what God said to his people. And this is the truth. It's God who gives us the power to be successful. As Christians, we understand that God is working behind the scenes of our lives for our good. Romans 8 verse 28. It's not on there. Um, it says, uh, it, it, it says that, um, it says, he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called, called according to his purpose. <laughs> Thanks for helping me. <laughs> Any victory that we experience is because God, who never leaves us nor forsakes us, is fighting for us. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. I love that. I love that. Come on. The Lord your God is the one who goes with you 
to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. So our ability to succeed is linked directly to our submission to God, therefore, isn't it? That is a key word in Christianity, isn't it? Submission. Our ability to succeed is linked to our submission in God. The more we're submitted to God, the more successful we will be. Where does submission come from? It comes from a heart of humility. So we have to put pride out of our lives and humble our hearts and recognize our absolute and complete need for God. And one of the best times to do that is when you're in a time of success, when you're in a time of victory. If you can recognize your utter and complete need for God in a time of success and victory, then you can recognize your need for God in all the other times as well. So ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Ask him to fill you with his power and with his wisdom, reminding you that God is all-wise and all-powerful so that in times of success in your life, God will be glorified. And when God's glorified in your success, when he's glorified in your victory, that will turn heads. People will be like, wow, like that is the key to success. Get God in your life. That's the key. And the fourth thing I want to talk about today is tragedy. So what have we had? We had temptation, tension, and triumph, and now tragedy. It's important that we remember that God is with us and will not leave us nor forsake us in the midst of tragedy. Now, when people experience tragedy, often their coping mechanism is to hide away, push people away. I just want to say don't push God away. Never push God away. Never push God away. You know, we've walked with people through horrendous tragedies um, in their lives. Just have been through stuff that you just could never even imagine. Um, and, um, and it's so easy. To, you, you, sometimes you see them just, just want to just be away from everyone. I, I don't want anyone around me. I don't, I don't want help. I just want to hide away. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to give people the space to do that. Um, But at the end of the day, um, don't push God away. Don't ever push God away. He loves you and God's arms are wide open to you. God isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere because he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He can take it. He can take your pain. He can take your anger. He can take your questions. You're trying to work it all out. God can take it and his arms are like that. You know, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, the father's arms were like that. They weren't like that or like that. They were like that because God can take it. And he want the, the, the greatest thing that you could do is run into the arms of God in the midst of tragedy. That is the greatest thing that you can do because he is the God who never leaves you and never forsakes you. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, when we go through those dark times, those horrendous times in life, we don't need to fear. We need to press into God and know that he is with us. Amen? Run into his arms. Ask the Holy Spirit in those times where things have gone badly wrong. Just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to fill you with his comfort, to fill you with his hope, 
for the future. Micah 7 verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. I love this. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Come on. When I fall, when I'm down on the floor, no, I'm going to get up. Don't you, don't you dare rejoice over me, enemy. I'm getting up. I'm getting up in the strength of God. When I sit in darkness, no, no, the Lord will be a light to me. So when we go through those dark times, when we, when we feel like we're alone, when we feel like no one understands, reach out to God because he will be a light to your life, even in the darkest times. And when you get up, when you get back up from tragedy with a heart that is unclogged from the hurt and from the pain and with the ability to forgive where you need to forgive, that will turn heads. When people look at your life and see, well, you've been through that and you've got no hate and you've got no anger because you've, let, you've run into the arms of God and you processed it that way, People will look at you and they'll be like, wow, this is a Christian. This is someone that is representing God's kingdom to me. So, I'm pretty much done. If the keyboard player could come and just play as I finish off this. No, that's me, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, so, I just want to just finish by saying this. that that Well, you know this, I think. It's come, this has come through my message. God loves you. <laughs> God loves you. He wants to work in your life. Um, he wants to know you close every day. Um, he wants you to know him, the one who never leaves you nor forsakes you. Um, and if there's anyone in the room, I don't know, if there's anyone in the room that have never said yes to Jesus or maybe you just need to recommit your heart to Jesus today, the thing is you have to make the first move. Well, actually, God made the first move. God made the first move. What did God do? He sent Jesus. Jesus made the first move. So actually, I just want to encourage anyone here today, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you feel like you've been walking far from him today. And I just want to say, why not today? Why not make your peace with God today? Why not become um, right with God today? So I just want to pray a prayer and I'd like to ask everyone in the room just to pray it out loud. And um, we're just going to, this is a prayer of, of, of receiving Jesus, a prayer of saying, yes, Jesus, I believe what you did for me and it's mine. So let's pray together. Say, dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard for my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and you make all things new. I surrender to you and I want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Let's just keep our heads bowed just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer this morning, uh, either for the first time you're making your peace with God, you're accepting that Jesus took your sin to make you right before God.
Um, or maybe you've been wandering away from God and you're just making a recommitment to him today. Would you, just with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, that's me. I'm recommitting my heart to God. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Okay, thank you. You can lift your heads up. Um, Would you just stand with me as we finish off um, this morning? If you can, would you just, everyone stand. Good choice of music, Johnny. Let's pray. Because I just want to pray that you would know the infilling of, of God. God the Holy Spirit. That you would know the infilling of God in your life. That you would, whether you're going through temptation or tension or triumph or tragedy or anything else, it doesn't have to begin with T. Whether you're going through anything in your life and you just need to know that God is with you, that he never leaves you or forsakes you. Let's just pray now that that would be such a reality to you and to me right now. And if you would, just if you feel comfortable to do so, just lift your hands before God. Maybe just in front of you, maybe up high. Just lift your hands before God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you, you right now would flood our lives with your presence. Lord, that we would know your presence in a powerful way. Lord, that we would know your presence as the disciples knew your presence in Acts chapter 2 on that day of Pentecost. Lord, that their lives were changed. They were totally transformed from their salvation and from the infilling of your Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that in this place, even now, God, we would continue to be transformed by you. Lord, that we would stand strong and stand empowered by you, God. Lord, that we would experience the wisdom of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, the power of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, the healing of your Spirit in our lives. God, when we face temptation, I thank you, Lord, that we would be people who make great choices, not not because in our flesh we're strong, but because we're strong in you. Lord, I pray that we would be people in times of tension who find great peace, peace that passes understanding in our lives. I pray, Lord, that in every triumph of our lives, in every success, in every celebration, Lord, that you would be glorified. And I pray, Father, Lord, that in times of tragedy, Lord, we would lean into you. We would know you. Lord, we would know you, know your loving arms. Lord, your loving arms that are there, always there for us, no matter what. And we're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord, for your presence. We're so grateful, Lord, that we don't live this life alone. We're so grateful, God, that you promised us that you never leave us. Lord, and when we stand on the battlefront, Lord, you promise that you never forsake us. You're not going to leave us to it, but you stand with us. And we're grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. And all God's people said... Amen. Praise God. Amen.